Amen. And the Lord's people said, Amen. Amen. Well, it's so good to see you in the Lord's house today. Please reach in the book rack right there in front of you somewhere and see if you can find one of those little black friendship folders that we have. And if you'll be so kind to put your name on that and give it to somebody sitting near you, we will appreciate that a lot today. Thank you much. Boy, what a great, great spirit today in the church. Sometimes it has something to do with the weather. I know that. Uh, but uh, it has something to do with God too. Amen? You know, I just like that song they just sang. It is done. It's finished. The three of the greatest words in the New Testament. It is finished. Um, lots of things going on right now in the church. Inside your Sunday courier, we are praying for America. And uh, you, our people, are signing up to join us. Uh, many people have already signed up to fast one day a week between now and election time. And uh, so you can do that this morning. Just check off the day there. Put your name down there, your phone number, and uh, what day you're going to choose to fast. Uh, you can do a 24-hour fast. You drink, of course, liquids, um, but uh, abstain from food for 24 hours and and during that time, pray for America. And we have the prayer list right here. So it's all here for you. Pray over these issues. And uh, then there's one other thing. Right at the end, on the back of this piece of paper, we have a prayer chain. We're trying to put together uh, to pray on Monday and Tuesday of the election. And it's going to start right here at the church at 8 a.m. on Monday, November 5th. And so this will give you a chance to, if you're, if you're within driving distance, of course, and you can put it in your schedule. Come up here, meet in the auditorium. You know, we're gonna, it's going to be quiet. You can pray uh, for the election. Boy, there are plenty of things to pray about. And, uh, and so you just put the time up there. Uh, we're going to close this place up at 9 p.m. Don't come after that. Uh, but you can still check in the middle of the night. You can get up at home. You can get up at uh, whenever you want to and pray, pray the list. And so if you like to do that, I know the first time we put this list out, one lady uh, checked it. She said, I'm coming up to the church at 4 a.m. And we began to think about that. That's not too good for someone to come up on this lonely hill at 4 a.m. That means we have to have somebody up here to watch over everybody that comes. So she's going to be really happy when she discovers she can do it at 4 a.m. in her home. So, so you, you check off something here. Let's pray for a mighty victory, okay? And for civility, well, yeah, that's, that's hard too, isn't it? All these things we're praying for is hard, so um, join us. Also, uh, you'll notice in your courier today, one of our neighbors, uh, their home burned down. And at the end of the service, Tom, put somebody in charge back there. We're going to take one of our little love offerings at the end of the service as you leave for that family. We just want to show them... Listen, your neighbor, you're right across the road from us. We want to show you we care about you. We love you. These people actually were affiliated with our preschool here at the church. So in some extended way, uh, they're our family. And I think there's probably nothing very traumatizing as that, is to have all your belongings just uh, taken away from you overnight like that. So keep that in mind. Uh, our condolences and our sympathies go out to Don Patterson's family. Don went home to be with the Lord. The, uh, this morning at, I think, 4 o'clock. And so <clears throat> somebody said earlier, I was talking to them back in the hall, and they said, well, he was one of the pillars of the church, wasn't he? He sure was. He sure was. And uh, so that means somebody else would have to step up and take his place. And I know that's hard. Some of these people, you have to have like two or three people step up to take his place. Uh, viewing time is out of Jefferson on Lebanon Church on Tuesday from 2 o'clock all the way around till 9. It's uninterrupted. 2 to 9, Jefferson out on Lebanon Church Road, and the funeral service will be here in the church on Wednesday at 11 o'clock. So, okay. Let's stand together, please, as our ushers come this morning, and we'll receive our morning offering together at this time. Thank you so much for your faithfulness in giving. Uh, it encourages us a whole lot as we meet the commitments of the church each week. Dear Lord, we thank you for our church family. We reach up to you now uh, for the family of Don Patterson, Lord. Uh,
Boy, he's going to be so missed in our church. And so many friends he had around Bethel Park for years. Lord, but you have seen fit in your, in your will to take him to his eternal reward. We're happy for him in that respect. We pray that you'll help us, Lord, through these next uh, week or so that we have to be reminded of his presence with us and, and we have to reach out to one another and encourage the family. We pray that you'll help us do that. And now we come to give part of our income back to you, Lord. You've given us every bit of what we have, and now we uh, designate a portion for your work. We pray that you'll bless each gift and each giver today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated.
Thank you, thank you, thank you very much. Let's open our Bibles today, please, to the book of Genesis chapter 13. Genesis chapter 13. Thank you, Dan. We talked to you several weeks about the life of Joseph, and I think this is about message number four on the life of Abraham. His life is much bigger than me, uh, but uh, I'd like to talk to you today about whenever Abraham came back from Egypt, and it's recorded for us in um, Genesis chapter 13. Then Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had, and lot with him to the south, to the Negev. Abraham was very rich. Uh, God did bless him materially in an incredible way. The th interesting thing about this is the, is the fact that even though he had a whole lot of things, his heart was not attached to his things. He had a great heart for God. Abraham was very rich in livestock and silver and gold. Silver and gold in every generation is a good, good investment. And he went on his journey from the south as far as Bethel and to the place where his tent had been at the beginning. For those of you who like to underline things in your Bible, underline in the beginning because that's important. There are times in our life that uh, that's where we have to go back to, our spiritual roots, uh, where we met the Lord. Uh, that's what he did. At the beginning between Bethel and Ai to the place of the altar, which he had made at first, his first altar there. And there Abraham called on the name of the Lord. Lot also who went with Abraham had flocks and herds and tents. Now remember Lot was Abraham's nephew. And uh, when you get around somebody that is uh, blessed by God, uh, and has uh, a propensity for business, uh, sometimes it rubs off on you. And you do well, too, because you learn from them. And I think that's what happened a lot. Lot's business flourished also. Lot also, he went with Abraham at flots and, and herds and tents, and now the land was not able to support them, that they might dwell together, for their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abraham's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. These two companies, I don't know whether they were competing for some of the same business or not, but uh, there was strife. You know, when you get two people together or three people, you have what? You have friction, right? And so they were having their friction, and Abraham did the magnumous thing. He said to Lot, please let there be no strife. Uh, between you and me, because uh, my herdsmen and your herdsmen, we are brethren. Not only were they related uh, in a physical sense, but they were related in a spiritual sense. They were believers. They were followers of God. Uh, Lot was following God uh, probably as close as he could at this time. Abraham, uh, for sure, had had a new spiritual lease on life. And he says, listen, we are followers of the Lord, let's not, let's not have strife. And so he makes a proposition. Is not the whole land before you? Please separate from me. If you take the left, then I'll go to the right. Or if you go to the right, then I'll go to the left. He said, listen, I, things can't continue like this. And so look out there and you just choose a portion of the land that you want to go to. I'll take what's left. So Lot lifted his eyes and saw all the plain of Jordan that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah like the garden of God. Now this is interesting to me because, because I never really thought very much about what Sodom and Gomorrah looked like. You know, I, just, I knew it was down there by the Dead Sea and boy, there's nothing much to look at down there. But at this time, there must have been a lot to look at down there. And it, here the Bible gives the description like the garden of God. The garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as you go toward Zor. Then Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated from each other. Abraham dwelled in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent even as far as Sodom. But the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinfully 
sinful against the Lord. Now here we find that Abraham is coming back to God. There are so many times in our life that we get away. Sometimes we get away big time, and other times we just kind of get away in a small degree. I think this was a pretty big departure from Abraham here that he's coming back from. Uh, remember, he had this is on the heels of getting kicked out of Egypt by Pharaoh. And you know, it's one thing to be rebuked. It's another thing to be rebuked by Pharaoh. Pharaoh says, hey, listen, Abraham, you take your wife Sarah, you take your nephew Lot, and you get out of here. Uh, because you remember what happened. Uh, Abraham had concocted the story that Sarah was not his wife. She was uh, his sister. And the whole thing backfired and spiraled out of control. And uh, God was punishing Pharaoh for this whole... And he said, listen, uh, I know what's going on here. You have deceived me. You've got to get out of town. And so he embarrassed himself. He embarrassed himself in front of his wife. And he embarrassed himself in front of Lot... And so he disappointed himself. And, you know, this happens to all, I think, followers of the Lord. There are times in our life that we become disappointed with ourselves over the decisions we make. And our, and our decisions we make have, uh, have ripples. They have repercussions in other people's lives. And, we, you know, what happens is when we make bad decisions, other people suffer. It's like it would be nice if it was just you or me. Uh, uh, as a result of the consequences of our decisions, but just affected us, but it, it affects other people. And so, and so the, the thing I like about this story is that Abraham could have like thrown his arms up and said, listen, you know, I am so discouraged and I am so ashamed of what I did that I'm going to just like give up and I'm going to stop trying to live this life of being a follower for God. But, you know, he didn't do that. He kind of picked himself up. He got kicked out of Egypt. And he went back to where he started from again. And, you know, this is what he said. I'm going to start over again. And, boy, I'll tell you what he did. But, you know, whenever you, whenever you make bad decisions and you depress yourself and you hurt other people uh, and you come back you know we all applaud people who come back yay there they come they came back to God but you know there are gains and losses whenever that happens what did he gain he gained his first altar the Bible uses this term and I ask you to underline that in the beginning do you remember that's where where you started out with the Lord. I think it's etched in your mind, isn't it? The first place with God, how it used to be, uh, how you fell in love with Jesus and you said, man, I'll tell you what, if this is it, count me in. This is a good thing. Well, God is a forgiving God, as uh, we have heard in song this morning. And in every age, he holds his hands out like this. The Bible says he is not willing that any should perish, but that... All should come to repentance. Uh, he has no joy in the destruction of the wicked. And so he opens his arms and he says, come to me. And uh, God, uh, that's exactly what happened to Abraham. And so, and so Abraham is way back in ancient history and closer to our history is the story of John the Apostle. Remember, he was exiled to the Isle of Patmos for preaching. But, uh, but he, instead of preaching, he started writing, and we have the book of Revelations, and I, I love that book. I really do. And uh, in the second chapter, he started writing these letters to the churches, and the first church to which he wrote was the church at Ephesus. And it's interesting, those historical churches back in there, they have, you, you read it, and you know what you say, hey, that's, that's our church. That's our church. Because uh, churches all have good things about them and they have less than good things about them. And, and so when you, read this, when you read the story, that's exactly how it comes over. Um, he writes to the church at Ephesus and he says, listen, I know your works and your labor. You know what we do in churches, we rate ourselves. Okay, I'm a great worker. Check. Man, I'll serve the church. Check. I'll serve this. Check. The Lord says, listen, I know the church at Ephesus. You, you give it all. You are great in that respect. You have a lot of patience, 
But I have a problem with you. You have left your first love. You have left your first love. What does that mean? I believe it means this. Whenever we embrace Jesus Christ, there is this wave, this euphoria, this realization for the first time of how much Jesus loved us. And you know, when, what happens is that love becomes reciprocal. Uh, when we see him dying upon the cross for us individually and we personalize salvation, what we do is then our heart reaches back to the Lord and we say, Lord, I love you so much because you love me even more. And what happens is when we first meet the Lord, we love the Lord really big. And, and what happens then is out of that love, we start to serve the Lord. And there's nothing as great as serving the Lord because of the love of the Lord. It's amazing how people will work for love because they love somebody. And, and so that should be the motivation of the church. Uh, we don't uh, work in the church because somebody expects us to work, and you know, uh, or we work in the church because we love Jesus so much. We just have to work in the church because we are impelled by the love of God. Now, whenever John was writing to the Ephesian church, he said, "Listen, uh, I want you've left your first love." He says, "I want you to repent." And do the first works. Now remember he already said. If you go back there and look at that passage. He already said listen you're a great worker. And he says now listen. I want you to repent and go back and do your first works. And what he means by that. Is I want your works now. After you repent. To be because you love the Lord. Because out of your love you, you serve God. And, uh, and so that's what the Lord was calling them to do. And uh, that's what uh, Abraham is presuming to do right here. Um, he said, listen, I, he doesn't say, I want you to recapture your first feelings. Because, you know, I remember how I felt when I came to the Lord. I'll tell you what, I've never recaptured that. Uh, sometimes people spend a lot of time trying to recapture that, uh, that first euphoria and things of that nature. Uh, he says, I want you to... Uh, I want you to come back, repent, and do the first works. The first love, that's what the Lord wants for us. Because out of love, now listen to this, please. Out of love, we can do nothing less than serve God with all of our heart because we love Jesus Christ the Lord. Uh, Paul chimed in on that in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And uh, let's read this together this morning, please. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods, feed the poor. And though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Now the word love there is the, is, is the Greek word agape, and that's the love that comes from God. And so Paul says the same thing that John said earlier. Listen, it's wonderful to, to preach, and it's wonderful to have faith, and, and to give your goods to feed the poor, and Paul says, listen, it doesn't, it's not profitable spiritually if it's outside the realm of God's love. And so that inner flame of love had died down in the Ephesian church. Uh, the warmth of love, the fervor that, that overcomes the cold, mechanical way to serve the Lord. Now, this is what happened. Abraham had regained his love for God when he came back out of Egypt. Abraham had regained it, uh, but uh, he, he gained a lot by coming back to God. Now, if I were to ask you this morning, how many people here have come back to God a number of times? <laughs> I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Don't be afraid. How many people have come back to God a number of times? I think a lot of us would go like this. Yeah, that's me. I've come back to God a number of times. Sure. 
so he, we come back and we, we go on again. But he lost some things. He lost his testimony. Uh, and that hurts. You know, Jesus was very dogmatic about this when he was talking to his disciples in John 15. He says, listen, don't you dare operate outside of fellowship with me. And when he taught the story of the vine and the branches, he says, listen, you've got to stay connected. So he lost his testimony. Galatians 6, 7 simply says this. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also what? And so Abraham is not coming back out of Egypt unscathed, but he is going on. And I applaud him and I cheer him because his life was very, very dynamic when he came back. And, but also Lot came back. Lot came back and he didn't come back like Abraham. He did not come back to his altar. And that makes all the difference in the world. The whole experience with Lot was different. Remember the strife broke out. Abraham said, listen, you choose which direction you want to go. I'll choose the other. And, and so Lot looked to, to the plain of Jordan. And it was like the Garden of Eden. And he chose his future by sight. Now that's, that's the choice that everybody gets to make in life. You get to choose your future the future of today and the future of tomorrow. He chose it by sight. He looked out there and he says, boy, it looks good to me. It looks like Egypt. And I liked my stay in Egypt. Um, but Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, for we walk by faith and not by sight. But see, Lot was overcome with the attraction of the world. Sodom and Gomorrah, was like so much of our world today. It was where the action was. You want to do your own thing? Move to Sodom and Gomorrah. We have no rules and regulations here. And so uh, the world is attractive. It is. It really is attractive. And it tries to lure you and me into its web. But I'm always reminded of what John, remember John, the island of Patmos fellow, wrote in 1 John 2, 15 and 16, he says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world, because the things of the world are made up of the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes. Okay? That's what messed up Lot. He looked out there and he says, You know, I like, I like what I see out there. Uh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life... Uh, the world is passing away in the lust of it, but he that does the will of God abides forever. Genesis 3, 6 says, remember, Eve saw the fruit of the tree. It all starts there. It all starts with what we look at. That's why today in our world we have to be very, very careful of what we look at. Because that's the beginning of our downfall. It really is. Uh, I remember the story when Joshua was... Uh, when Joshua was fighting the battles in the land in Joshua chapter 7, there was this fellow who stole, and he wasn't supposed to take the spoils, and this is what he said. In Joshua 7.21, when I saw among the spoils a beautiful Babylonian garment, 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold, weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and I took them. I saw, I coveted, and I took. And uh, so that's what Lot did. And the reason why, I think the reason why is because he was led into Egypt by Abraham. Abraham says, listen, we're going to Egypt, Lot. And Lot says, okay, I'm part of the clan, I'll go too. But see, when Abraham came back out of Egypt, he cleansed his heart of Egypt. But Lot didn't. Lot didn't. Lot never came back. He had Egypt in his heart. He had a taste for it. And this is what I encourage people today. Listen, don't get a taste of this. Uh, you know, our, our young people are under tremendous pressure. Just go taste. You know, come out with us tonight. You'll like it. You know, we're going to go do this. And, 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 you, and young people say, you know, I've never done that. I, maybe I ought to check it out. Uh, that's the beginning of the end. That's, that's when you begin to go down a tube. 
when you get a taste in your mouth of it. And so uh, Abraham, though, walked by faith. He came back and he says, listen, I'm going to walk by faith. And I'm always intrigued with Hebrews chapter 11, verse 10. It says this, For he waited for the city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Oh, I want to know more about that. I was looking in MacArthur's Bible about that, and he said Abraham was thinking about heaven. Heaven. And so here is Abraham, and he's, he's, he's got a lot of money. He's got silver and gold, and he has his company. And, uh, and Lot's down there going into Sodom, and uh, Abraham's got his mind on heaven. He's thinking about that. How was that? It just appeared like that. Cindy, you're getting good back there. You're, you're right in synchronized, is the word. Uh, Abraham's thinking about heaven. And so his mind is on heaven. And you know, there are many people that you and I know, and they're trying to make their life on earth heaven now. It can never happen. Heaven is later. Don Patterson is enjoying heaven today. He's enjoying heaven. And so uh, Abraham's mind's on heaven. And, but, uh, and he's thinking about not the immediate future, but the far future. And uh, he's keeping his mind on God. Hebrews eleven twenty seven says this. It's about Moses, but it also applies to Abraham. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. And so here's Abraham, his mind's on heaven, and his eyes are on God. And he's making his way through the world. And that's what we have to adopt as believers. We have to realize, hey, listen, heaven is not now. <laughs> heaven is later. But Jesus is now. And I've got to keep my eyes peeled on Jesus. Uh, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 is, is really good in this respect. And um, let's, uh, let's, let's go on to the next uh, verse there. Look, look at what it says on the top. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Now, that section talks about running the race. You know, racers, have, you've seen these racers out there. They don't look at the crowd, do they? <laughs> they're like, they're looking at the, at the finish line. The Christian life is not a sprint. It's a long, long distance run. And I said in the first service, I wish that it wasn't so long. And uh, one of the men of the church went out and reminded me on the ramp when I was shaking hands with them out there, in light of people living 900 years, it's a sprint. So he corrected me. <laughs> you know, the biblical times, people lived long, long times. <laughs> and so in that respect, it is a sprint. But from my perspective, it's a long-distance run. And we have to keep our eyes on Jesus, don't we? Because when we get our eyes on people, we sink, right? They take us down. But I'll tell you what, when you keep your eyes on the Lord, he keeps you up. Abraham walked by faith. Well, uh, the time fast-forwards. Uh, Lot is developing his family over here in Sodom. Abraham is over here serving God, keeping his mind on heaven, his eyes on God. And uh, time wears on, and Sodom and Gomorrah is getting worse and worse because there are no rules and regulations there. And so all of a sudden, Abraham is at home one day, and he gets three visitors. Uh, and one of them is the Lord himself. And they're on their way to go visit Sodom and Gomorrah. And the reason why is because the sins of Sodom and Gomorrah have elevated themselves up into the presence of God, and they're going down to check it out. And if it is as bad as they thought it was, they were, they're going to destroy the, the, the Sodom and Gomorrah. And so, uh, and so they head out to do that. And if you'll turn over a few pages in your Bible uh, to chapter 18, verse 17, the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm doing? The Lord is headed to, uh, to Sodom. And he explains to Abraham, he says, listen, their sin is great down there. Uh, something has to be done. They have to be judged. But look what happens in verse 22. But Abraham stood before the Lord. 
Abraham is an intercessor. He stood before the Lord. Abraham cared about the people of Sodom. Now, this is how magnanimous Abraham is. Because I think whenever Sodom comes to my mind, this is my first reaction. That was, <laughs> that's not right. <laughs> Sorry, Lord. <laughs> uh, Abraham was interested in the souls in Sodom. And so he's known as an intercessor. That's a person that stands in the gap, stands between uh, God and the destruction around him. And last week, remember I talked to you about it from the verse in Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 30. God says, I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it, but I found no one. God always looks for a person to stand in the gap. I think, who's going to intercede before destruction comes? Who's going to warn the people? And so we have right here now, Abraham steps up and, and he says, listen, Lord, let's, uh, let, me, let me strike a deal with you here. If you find 50 people down there, will you destroy the land? And uh, then he changed it to 45, and then it went down to 30, and you remember. He finally got down to the number 10, and suppose 10 should be found there, and that's in verse number 32 of chapter 19. And he said, I will not destroy it for the sake of 10, and the Lord went his way. And so there he went. Abraham stood before the Lord, and uh, it's impossible to miss the persistence of Abraham in intercession. It looks to me like he is concerned about the people of Sodom. And uh, he's doing the right thing. Uh, even before the time of Jesus, Abraham could be conformed to the image of Christ because he himself had become an intercessor, and so was Jesus. Is there anything higher than that? Is there anything higher than standing in the gap between destruction uh, what could be better than that what could be better than you saying listen if my friends are going to go to hell I'm going to make it as hard as it can be for them to go to hell I'm going to pray for them until I'm blue in the face and I'm going to live the Christian life in front of them and it's not my job to save them but it is my job to intercede for them. And so that's what Abraham does right here. He's reaching out to God and he's saying, yeah, he might have thought, well, you know, I, I know that there's Lot and I know there's his wife and I know that there's his two daughters. And so certainly he's been effective. Maybe he won a few other people to his way of thinking. And so evidently there could be 10. But in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 7 and 8, the Bible says that God there delivered righteous Lot, who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked. Now, Lot was a believer in Sodom who had been overcome by evil and immobilized. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says this, Bad company corrupts good character. And that's what happened to, to Lot. He moved down into Sodom and Sodom moved into him. And he knew the whole time he was doing the wrong thing and, and he wasn't doing the right thing and it bothered him on the inside, but he never was able to rise above what was going on on the inside. And so the angels came to him and said, listen, we're going to destroy this place and you have to get out of here. And, uh, and so guess what he wanted to do though? I know you're ahead of me. Uh, guess what he wanted to do whenever that happened? He wanted to go witnessing. That's what he wanted to do. He wanted to witness. He wanted to go witness to the husbands of his daughters and tell them that God was going to destroy the land. So here is the angels trying to get him out of town, and he says, whoa, i got to go witness. We're in chapter 19. Verse 14, so Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-law 
who had married his daughters and said, Get up, get out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But to his sons-in-laws, he seemed as joking. They didn't take him seriously because he had no testimony. That's right. He wasn't living for God. He was living like them, and they said probably, You're just like us. Don't give us this religion. But you know, if he would have been living in the midst of a sinful situation, a different lifestyle, at least his witness would be credible. But at this time, it was only incredible, incredibly weak. And so they, they said, listen, count us out. We don't believe what you, what you have to say. And so, uh, and so Lot is confused and God is trying to get him out of town and his two daughters and his wife... And he's telling them the judgment is coming. Well, let me say to you today that um, this is applicable for you and me today. One of these days, judgment is coming uh, on America. One of these days, judgment is coming to this world because I, you and I have read the, the end of the book. And the, and the way, and what we have to do is warn people now, please. Let's say that together, warn people now. Warn people now. Now, is that hard to do or not? It is. It is because the sun is shining and people are still working. But judgment is coming. The Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die and after that, what? The judgment. And so don't wait to go witness to your friends when it's too late to witness to your friends. Make a list. Work the list. Oh, they're trying to get him out of Sodom, and uh, the Bible says he lingered. Um, but he was forcibly removed. And his wife looked back, and you know what happened to her. She turned into a pillar of salt. Um, now, we have this choice today. Uh, we have the choice that Abraham and Lot had in that day. And the choice is to come back to the first altar... Uh, or don't come back. Don't come back. Just live in the world. Just have one foot in the church, the other in the world. And whatever feels comfortable, just do that. You have that choice. I have that choice. Uh, but, you know, people in the world know when you're living like that, that you have no credibility as a Christian. And so if, we're, if we are sold out for Jesus, they know that. And you know, when they really need you, chances are they'll listen to you, at least give you a hearing. I don't think his sons-in-law even wanted to hear him. They didn't believe what he was saying. And so we have this opportunity to come back to our first altar or to live a defeated worldly life that produces no influence. No influence. I think life is about influence. I really do. I think at the end of the day, whenever somebody has your funeral service and people come into the funeral parlor and they start talking to, about you, they're going to say, you know, that person really influenced me. Boy, at the time of my life, I really needed them. And, and if ever there was a Christian, that person was a Christian. That person really helped me. That's influence. That's what life's about. It's not about houses, lands, money, portfolio. It's about influence. And I'll tell you, Abraham, he was in the gutter. But he came back. And uh, Abraham has influence to this day. But Lot had no influence. His life was a disaster because he traded his faith for the world and what the world had to offer. And they gave him what they had to offer, which was nothing but pain. That's what the world gives you. Pain. Well, the choice is ours. And so this is the end of the message today. If you're here today and you've stepped out of the way and you've gone to Egypt and you're down there and you don't know where you are right now, I urge you to come back 
because you're living in the wrong world. That world's no good for you. That world will leave you empty and broken and disasterized. It really will. Uh, come back to the altar. Come back to the first place and renew your fellowship with God. Pick yourself back up with God's help because God has a future for you. He really does. Look what he did for Abraham. Look what he did for Abraham. We're still talking about Abraham. Let's bow our heads in prayer. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed this morning, uh, I wonder how many in our church this morning has uh, gone down to Egypt. I mean, you got sidetracked. The lights are attractive. Uh, you're down there in the dark place. One young person put it that way one time. I was in a dark place. It is a dark place. The lights go out in Egypt. And uh, they break your heart. And they break the hearts of people who love you. Uh, come into the light. Come back to the altar. Uh, rebuild your life with God as your helper. And uh, he will give you strength. And I'll tell you what, at the end of the day, uh, people will call you an influencer for good. That choice is up to you. Dear Lord, we thank you for this story today because it's just so relevant. It's, I, it can't be any more personal for me or for our congregation than it is right here plain for us in the Bible. And we just pray, Lord, that we will learn from the life of Abraham and Lot and make the choice that Abraham did. Yeah, it was hard to come back and, and to, to feel regret that he had gone away, but but the joy of coming back overcame the regret of his departure. I pray, Lord, that you'll, that you'll move in our hearts. Lord, bring us back if we are away today. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together, please, as we sing our invitation song. And if you're here today and maybe you've been out in Egypt and you've been like off the track, why don't you come back to God today and uh, let him envelop you and, and uh, give you a new start. Come back to that first altar as we sing. I'm forgiven because you were forsaken. And I'm accepted. You were condemned. And I'm alive and well. Your spirit is within me because you Okay, fellas, if we have two guys back there at the back door with offering plates, we're going to, as we leave the service today, we're going to, if we have something, we're going to put it in that plate for the family that lost their home. And we, we want to take a gift over there and say, listen, the church family on the hill loves you. You're our neighbors, and uh, we're concerned about you during this time. Uh, so do that. Also, there's a, voter there's a stack of voter registration forms there. If you need one to spread around to a friend, you do that. 
Turn around and shake hands with your neighbor. God bless you. Have a good day.